It's the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2 a.m. 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, depetro.com. And it's brought to you by Coogan Heating. Folks, uh, day two of the BRIC trial is in the books. With us is our legal analyst, uh, Rhode Island top attorney, Tim Dodd. And Tim, if you wouldn't mind, uh, day two started. I was in the courtroom, and Judge Procassini uh, used the opportunity to talk a little bit about his experience with the bench case, this case, and how both parties and the public should anticipate things in going forward. Yes, as we've discussed, um, Judge Procassini is a really excellent trial judge, and he went out of his way to describe for the attorneys who sort of know the drill and for the members of the press and for the general public that he has a pretty standard way in which he conducts a bench trial. That is, after at the conclusion of all the evidence, um, instead of having attorneys immediately stand up and give a oral closing argument, he'll typically, depending on the complexity of the case, give the attorneys maybe a week, maybe 10 days to file a written submission, their argument, their conclusions about what the evidence shows, what the, what's been proved, what hasn't been proved, an interpretation of the statutes that are involved in these criminal charges. And he indicated that it typically takes them a good six to eight weeks under normal circumstances to come out with a decision, which can either be a written decision or a decision delivered from the bench. I think he went out of his way to make that point so that no one would misinterpret the delay in coming out with the decision of either guilt or innocence um, that is in any way impacted by the fact that there's an election around the corner, that he's not giving his decision to help or hurt any or to influence any voting. He didn't come out and say it, but I think that's why he went out of his way to discuss his standard operating procedure in a bench trial. The other important thing the judge brought up, which I thought was interesting, is that um, he's had his law clerk doing research on the criminal charges um, against Mr. Britt, and most specifically the money laundering charge. Now, there's all sorts of examples of money laundering um, to purchase drugs, to run an illegal enterprise, to funnel um, money from gambling through legitimate business operations in, a, in an effort to launder the money. Um, the judge said he's, that he has found no case at all similar in the research that he and his clerk have done regarding a fact pattern remotely similar to this case, where it's monies through a political campaign, relatively small dollars. Um, so he's looking to see if there's case law which will either support or maybe not support whatever conclusion he makes. Remembering, John, that the judge here is the finder of fact, and he has to apply the facts to the law as the law is stated. And the only way he makes error is if he makes an in, improper application of the facts to the law as, as it exists. So he's doing his homework. He's doing what a judge is supposed to do, and he's letting the public know that 
He doesn't just pop off a decision at the conclusion of evidence. This is a long, reasoned, detailed decision that he'll ultimately give. Now, Tim, on top of that, uh, did he also indicate that um, the defense will have to put on the defense? I thought, was there some element, I could be wrong, that maybe there was a possibility that he would just dismiss this, the case outright? Or are we not there yet? Or for some reason, though, I, I maybe I, I misunderstood. I thought there was some indication that they are going to have to put on their defense. Well, no, I don't recall. Okay. At, at times when I was listening to bits after it was live, you can go back and listen to his comments. Um, I don't know that he said that specifically, but the standard, John, is when the state rests after it's put up all of its witnesses, um, yes. defense counsel will almost automatically, every single time, move to dismiss, um, arguing that the state has not met the elements to prove that the criminal offense actually occurred. Um, yep. If the judge grants the motion, that's the end of the case. If mm -hmm. the judge denies the motion, he can deny it outright or he can reserve on the motion to dismiss until after the defense has put on its presentation. It's likely in this case that the, that the defense won't get rid of this case at the conclusion of the state's presentation, but they will have to put up, the defense will have to put up witnesses if they so choose. I would, I would assume it's going to go that route. Now, Tim, uh, starting with the, um, well, today, Teresa Graham basically was a quick wrap up, but I thought big witness today was Vic Bichette came in, this was someone who had uh, known uh, Jeffrey a little bit and then got in touch with him. Uh, he admitted several things today. Um, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts on how you think Vic Pichette, uh, he was a, a, a witness for the prosecution. Uh, how do you think that went for, um, for the attorney general's office? Um, he was fine on direct. He, um, got poked at quite a bit on cross-examination. Now, in terms of what he offered from the prosecution's perspective, he testified that Britt brought this idea to him. Britt provided the funds, which in turn produced a check from uh, Victor Pichette to the Shauna Lawton campaign. Further, when... Um, the Board of Elections started making inquiries of Victor Pichette. His testimony is that Britt told him, oh, just say that, you know, you got the money because I, you did some work for me. And basically was suggesting to Victor Pichette how to um, either lie or at least misstate things to the Board of Elections. Again, the implication being that Britt was the quarterback of this operation and when yep. the operation went bad, and as Eddie Coutinho had said, everyone started scurrying for cover, um, mm. people were reaching out to Britt saying, what do we do now? This is getting hot. How do we handle it? And he was the quarterback who was telling people what to say, how to lie, and what to do under those circumstances. Um, he told Shauna Lawton what to do, what to say, what not to say, and he attempted to... Um, micromanage what Victor Pichette would, was saying as well. Um, so that was the good stuff for the prosecution. On cross, um, Bob Carrenti did a very good job, very, very thorough, very methodical, um, going through Victor Pichette's grand jury testimony and pointing out the inconsistencies between 
what he said before the grand jury and what he said today at trial and kept pounding him on his immunity deal that he was obligated to tell the truth before the grand jury. But his story before the grand jury is different than the story he gave today in court. So which is it? And over and over. Well, you promised to tell the truth. Judge Gibney gave you immunity from prosecution, but you've got to tell the truth. What you told the grand jury, was that the truth or is this the truth? And Victor Pichette didn't like it one bit. He got testy. He got defensive. He got argumentative with defense counsel. And if you're a witness, um, it's hard to do if you're not used to it. But he sort of took the bait and Bob Corrente knew just how to needle him. And I think that Pichette's testiness and defensiveness um, would not be impressive for the judge. And I think to the extent that he could, Corrente did some damage in terms of undermining Victor Pichette's credibility. However, Pichette did say the important things on direct. The question is, will the judge believe it or will he think that Pichette, this has a story that keeps changing you know, from day to day or week to week or year to year. Would this have, um, would that back and forth, Tim, would that maybe have played better if there was a jury sitting there instead of a bench trial? Um, I think the jury would have been potentially uh, more skeptical that now when Bob yes. Carrente gets him on cross, the jurors might say, oh, oh, now I see what's oh. really going on here. Oh, because Pichette was as cool as a cucumber under direct, but he got very snippy and very argumentative on cross, which is um, never a good um, affect to have up there on the witness stand. Even if you're getting hit, you should be calm, placid, and don't take the bait and get emotional. And Victor Pichette kind of took the bait. I'm just wondering if um, if the judge is sitting there saying almost like I know what you're doing and just like kind of get to it or maybe let him him do his thing. Um, I, I think what you said and as I sat there, it just seemed to be very outside of some of the other intrigue that's coming out of this of Pachette. You know, Britt told him to follow Steve Frias and check out his following his home. He told him to go to a fundraiser and take a picture of everyone on the guest list. But then when it came down to, he told him to meet him at his house. He gave him a thousand in cash. They show there's one thousand. There it is deposited. There's the check. If they're trying to get him on on a money laundering, I'll say after day two, at the very least, they they have two people, both he and Sean Lawton. That I thought for the most part, I'm not saying there isn't definitely a little more damage on him than Sean Lawton, but um, but basically they they did deliver what they said they would was they brought in two people that showed there was an exchange for money for the for the checks excuse me for Teresa Graham for Teresa Graham that, yes. yes John and you know Bob Currenti did a very good job poking at Victor Pichette on a lot of ancillary issues not the central issue as you've just restated that Pichette that Britt brought this idea to Pichette, said, I need a favor. I need a, you to write a check for $1,000. Pichette says, I don't have $1,000. Britt says, I'll give it to you. And then you're going to give it back to the Shona Lawton campaign. And Pichette didn't really think a lot of it. He just did it, assuming I presume that Britt is a guy active in political campaigns and knew what he was doing. 
um, and followed Brit's lead. So nothing on Cross undercut that central proposition that Brit made the ask and provided the funds. Now, Tim Dodd, and again, folks, with us is attorney Tim Dodd. We're talking about the D2 of the, the Brit trial. <clears throat> For the charges that he is up against, um, it was not until Brad Default got up. Actually, Ed Catuno said that when he was there talking and they were discussing on second thought, you too close. He said that Brit said, you, you're too close to the campaign. Maybe could your wife write a check? He mentioned that Matt Jerzyk was outside. Um, Brad Default started to say, Mattiello campaign, but then the email exchange showed that basically that it was Brit and Jersey, but Brit was was also kind of running the show there. Um, as much as they're now going to have Richard Thornton, I think, of the Board of Elections as their final witness tomorrow for the prosecution. Tim, just based so far day two, we haven't heard the defense yet, but do you think has the prosecution, have they at least made their case for what they were alleging? So far, yes. I think they have satisfied the elements okay. for money laundering, and I think they've satisfied the elements for election interference. Um, certainly, Brad Default um, puts, in, uh, puts Matt Jerzyk somewhat in play because Default, in preparing the mailer, was going back and forth with Jerzyk. Jerzyk, I believe, was um, copying Brit on all of the emails. But Correct. that doesn't mean yet, there's no evidence so far, that Jerzyk was aware of the method by which Brit was obtaining the funds to give to the Shauna Lawton campaign to fund this mailer. Um, I'm sure that Jerzyk, if called, will, I presume, say, yeah, I was involved in the mailer. Yeah, I knew that it was a Shauna Lawton piece. Yeah, I knew that she was looking to help out Mattiello. But no, I didn't know that Britt was giving people cash in order to get back a check. Right. I'm sure that Britt's going to say, oh, yes, he did. Again, that mm -hmm. Britt can try to take people down with him or smear other people, but that doesn't absolve him or exonerate him from his participation in what is alleged to be criminal conduct. So he can hurt other people, but that doesn't vindicate himself. It also, what I think is interesting is, you know, Ed Catuno, when they said to Ed Catuno, how'd you get paid? I got paid in cash. I mean, he didn't have any, let's look through your documents and files. That's, and then when you heard him, that just wasn't the way he operated. And, and Big Pachette didn't have certified documents where Britain was telling him, you know, go, follow Steve Fryas to surveillance. It it was all kind of through seemingly through text, through phone calls, and then with the, the printer default, it was through email. But by and large, this this is not I, I think he's in a bind because I, I we haven't seen a pattern where there seems to be a lot of paperwork, a paper trail following a lot of these uh, discussions. So it's it would be impossible to, I think to be able to determine one way or the other. And, and when you look at Ed Cotuno's testimony, he was very candid. He's got an immunity deal. He was. And I think he was very yeah. credible and very believable, whereas oh, you know, yeah. Pichette was so twitchy at times. Um, you know, it, It's an uncomfortable thing to watch when um, there's that sort of back and forth between the witness and defense counsel. 
And at one point, the judge had to step in and admonish Mr. Prochette to say, listen, he's the lawyer. You answer his question. You don't answer the question with a question back to counsel, which is also never a good idea to do. But when you get upset, sometimes you do it, but it never works out well for the witness. Tim, do you think also, uh, Tim Dodd, um, you know, both seemingly both Shauna Lawton, uh, Ed Catunio, Teresa Graham, and then Vic Prochette, they all basically then felt like they had been dragged in on something that they had been told, oh, no, it's all legit. It's all above board. Does the judge in any way, and not to look too far down the road, but does that maybe hurt a defendant that it almost seems as though you kind of have patsies that are, you know, kind of coming along? Because I, I know both Vic Pachette and Shauna Lawton, they'll have told people like uh, they rue the day that they cross paths with Brit because of, of just how everything turned well, yeah, out. Yeah, this is like for for any normal person, this is extraordinarily uncomfortable stuff to be witnesses in a high profile case and where you have alleged to done something yeah. which is, if not criminal, at least unethical or kind of scummy um, at, at the very, very least. It's also interesting, however, that Ed Catunio said, I don't really see anything wrong with it. I still don't see anything wrong with it. And that's 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 yeah. the mentality, I think, that many times one gets when you're in the bubble of a campaign, um, especially a frantic yep. campaign like the, that race was in 2016. Sometimes you're doing things and you can't see the forest for the trees. I think that Matt Jerzyk yep. would likely say, it was a frantic time. Uh, we did things and maybe th were a little sloppy and didn't think it through before things happened. Um, and I think that that is a reasonable sentiment to have when you're in the vortex of this crazy, crazy um, political campaign that all these guys were involved in. But as far as this criminal piece, it appears that Britt was the quarterback. It was his idea. He did all the asking. He did all the funding. And that seems to be where it, where it begins and ends. Yeah, and, and executed it. I mean, he did exactly what he was, which was then the, the mailer went out. Now, Tim Dodd, tomorrow, Richard Thornton, from what we understand, it's unfortunately going to be rather extensive. I'm not looking forward to it. But could, um, could the defense, do you expect that the defense would start tomorrow or would the judge maybe uh, maybe say, you know, we're going to resume the prosecution rests and then we'll start the defense. On Thursday. I, well, I think that if, if Thornton is actually the last witness, um, if he takes a good part of the day, the judge might um, the judge would have to give some indication if and when the defense moves to dismiss um, the judge has to make some sort of a ruling either saying I'm denying your motion, I'm granting your motion, or I'm going to reserve on it because he's got to let the defense know if they need to be calling witnesses in. And um, okay. that's something they would probably have already worked out in, in any chambers discussions the attorneys would have had with the judge. Um, so I would expect Thornton tomorrow motion to dismiss tomorrow I think the judge will reserve on any motion to dismiss and then invite the defense to put on its case starting on Thursday. And then folks just looking ahead, that's we're expecting uh, Leo Skenyon, the speaker of Mattiello's chief of staff, the speaker himself, uh, Matt Jersick. I don't know if anyone else from the campaign. And then you have some 
some other media people that I believe are on the witness list. So, um, and that's what they're expecting. Folks, uh, again, day two is in the books. He's our legal expert, Tim Dodd. Tim, great job. Thanks, John. Take care.